Welcome to this episode of Planting Seeds. I'm Keith Jones, the preaching minister of the Calera Church of Christ, and I've prepared a short message from Scripture that's intended to be the planting of a seed that, if cultivated, will in time produce fruit in the lives of the listeners. Now, let's get started. And be gracious and give you peace. In this episode, we'll continue our study of the book of 1 Peter. Today, we'll be looking at 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 through 12. If you have a Bible with you, follow along while I read. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word, as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Behold, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. In this section of Peter's letter, he uses a metaphor to describe how God is working in his people and how he will live among them. He says that God is building a temple, and Jesus was laid as the cornerstone of that building, but the other stones that make up the temple are his chosen ones. While this metaphor paints for us a very graphic picture that helps us understand the interconnectivity between us and Jesus and God, it is not something that Peter just made up out of thin air to help us understand that connection. He's actually explaining how God is fulfilling prophecies that he made hundreds of years earlier. There's a passage in Zechariah chapter 6, starting in verse 12, that reads this way, And say to him, thus says the Lord of hosts, Behold the man whose name is the branch, for he shall branch out from this place, and he shall build a temple of the Lord. It is he who shall build the temple of the Lord and shall bear royal honor and shall sit and rule on his throne. And there shall be a priest on his throne and the counsel of peace shall be between them both. And the crown shall be in the temple of the Lord as a reminder to Helam, Tabijah, Jedidiah, and Hen, the son of Zephaniah. And those who are far off shall come and help build the temple of the Lord. And you shall know that the Lord of hosts has sent you. And this shall come to pass if you will diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God. 
This is an amazing prophecy by Zechariah. He is proclaiming the word that the Lord had given him, that the Lord of hosts would see that a temple was built. This temple would be built by a man whose name is the branch. And we know from the prophet Isaiah that this is intended to be Jesus himself. The Messiah would come and build a temple. Certainly during the first century, some Jews doubted that Jesus was the Messiah because they didn't see him undertaking the building of a physical temple. But Peter in his writing lets us know the temple that's being built by Jesus is one that is built out of living stones rather than stones of granite or marble or some other type of material. Jesus as Messiah fulfilled this prophecy of Zechariah's, but he did it in a way that a lot of people didn't anticipate. And we're told that those who are far off shall come and help. Those people from other nations, the call went out to all who would repent and become one of these living stones. People from all over the world were blessed through Jesus to be able to be a part of this construction project. And Zechariah says this prophecy is fulfilled as people diligently obey the voice of the Lord. As we come to Christ and become one of these living stones, we're built up into a temple for God's dwelling and for his purposes. Peter expounds on this metaphor and lets us know that as living stones, we're not docile or we're not just laying there motionless, inanimate. As living stones, we actually have responsibility within this household of God. We are priests in it. So Peter has made the connection between what God is doing in the followers of Christ and the prophecy that was made about the Messiah who would build the temple. He lets us know that Jesus was laid as the chief cornerstone and that we as living stones are built on that corner. And as living stones, we make up the household of God, the family of God. And so Peter goes on to say that this household of God is a chosen race of people. And we talk a lot about race in our day and time and the difference between the races and ways one race may treat another as inferior or superior and, and, and talk about all that's wrong with that. But Peter uses that word to make a distinction. We understand race to be a category of humankind that shares certain distinctive traits. Peter says, as God's chosen living stones, we become very distinctive from other parts of humanity. We are a chosen race of people. The scripture speaks to this in other places. In Deuteronomy chapter 10, starting in verse 15, we read, Yet the Lord set his heart and love on your fathers and chose their offspring after them. You above all people, as you are this day, circumcise therefore the foreskin of your heart and no longer be stubborn. Romans chapter 2, verses 28 and 29 says, For no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly, nor is circumcision outward and physical. But a Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of the heart, by the Spirit, not by the letter. His praise is not from man, but from God. I read those two passages together because it seems that most Jews of the first century 
held on very tightly to the fact that they were born into a particular group of people, the Jewish people. And they had a mark on their bodies that that showed they belonged to that race, and that was circumcision. But as Paul writes in Romans, he says uh, the Jew or the one who belongs to God, God's chosen people, is, is not a group of people who just have an outward physical sign. Um, but they are his chosen because of an inward circumcision of the heart. It's something that happens in their spirit, not by just keeping the letter of the law. As God builds a temple out of living stones, they are a chosen race, a group of people that have been transformed from the inside out to be a different kind of people than the rest of humanity. We're also told by Peter that this household of God is a royal priesthood. The job of a priest is to perform the services of the God that lives in the temple. As God promises to dwell in this new temple that he's building out of living stones, he gives its priest certain responsibilities and activities that they're supposed to be about. God talked about this for hundreds of years before the building of this temple began. In Isaiah chapter 61, verse 6, it says, But you shall be called the priest of the Lord. They shall speak of you as the ministers of our God. And in that same book of prophecy, this time Isaiah chapter 66, verse 15, it says, And some of them also I will take for priests and for Levites, says the Lord. And God had a plan to make his living stones priests, people who functioned on his behalf from the very beginning. And there's another passage I'll read from Revelation chapter 1, starting in verse 5. It says, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom, priest to his God and Father, to him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. This passage, speaking about Jesus, who qualifies us to be priest in the kingdom of God, he has set us free from our sins and has loved us. Because of this, we live in God's household and we are his priest. We're also told that this household of God is a holy nation. I'll go back to Deuteronomy, this time chapter 7, verses 6 and 7. Written there, God says, For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. God proclaimed to those who followed him out of Egypt that he wanted them to be a separate and special nation for his purposes, and he would treasure them out of all of those on the face of the earth. A holy nation is a group of people that is set apart for a purpose, for God's purposes. When we're called as living stones, also a holy nation, we need to understand that it is for God's purposes that we exist, not our own. We're also told by Peter that this house of God is a people for God to possess. That's an interesting contrast from the way we typically think about it. We often think about God as something that we need to possess, that we need to hang on to and manipulate and use in ways that benefit us. But what Peter says is that we are a people 
for God to possess, for God to lay claim to and use for his purposes as he sees fit. In Isaiah 43, 21, God's words are recorded there as saying, the people whom I form for myself, that they might declare my praise. He's talking about uh, the people that he was going to rescue. And he says, I formed them for myself. I put them together. I made them a people for myself so that they could declare my praise. Another prophet, Malachi, in his writing, chapter 3, starting in verse 16, says, Then those who feared the Lord spoke with one another. The Lord paid attention and heard them, and a book of remembrance was written before him of those who feared the Lord and esteemed his name. They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, in the day when I make up my treasured possession, and I will spare them as a man spares his son who serves him. Then once more you shall see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between the one who serves God and the one who does not serve him. Malachi is building on this theme expressed by Isaiah. It's picked up by Peter that God is building up a people that he will possess, and it is constituted of those who are righteous rather than those who are wicked, and those who serve God over those who don't. God is bringing those folks together to fulfill his purposes so that he can hold them as a treasured possession. Peter also lets us know that this household of God has been called out of darkness. All of mankind found themselves in darkness, burdened and enslaved by sin. Through Jesus, God loosened those shackles and called all that would to come to him out of the darkness. Certainly, there are multiple passages in Scripture that we could go to, but here are a few that I think are worth mentioning right now. Isaiah chapter 42, verse 16 says, And I will lead the blind in a way that they do not know. In paths that they have not known, I will guide them. I will turn the darkness before them into light, the rough places into level ground. These are the things I do, and I do not forsake them. God prophesying through Isaiah that there would come a time when people who were having difficulty seeing the path to him would have their eyes opened as he guided them out of darkness into the light. Romans chapter 9, starting in verse 24, says, Even us whom he called, not from the Jews only, but also the Gentiles, as indeed he says in Hosea, those who were not my people, I will call my people, and her who was not my beloved, I will call beloved. And in the very place where it is said to them, you are not my people, they will be called sons of the living God. Paul is reminding them what Hosea had prophesied. He says, there will come a time when people who are not my people, Gentiles, will be able to be a part of his people and be called beloved. Peter is picking up on that and saying, this is the time. God is building a temple out of living stones, out of all the nations of the earth, and making them a separate and distinct nation, holy for his purposes, for him to possess. And one other passage, Acts chapter 26, starting in verse 15, it's written, But I said, Who are you, Lord? And the Lord replied, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. 
But get up and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of the things you have seen and of the things in which I will appear to you. I will rescue you from the people and from the Gentiles to whom now I send you, to open their eyes that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and share among those who are sanctified by faith in me. The passage I just read is a quotation from Jesus himself as he speaks to the Apostle Paul at this amazing time of his conversion. He goes from being a persecutor of Christians to being an advocate for Christians and a teacher of Christians and a producer of Christians. And Jesus tells him that he is going to be used to draw people out of darkness. Peter wants us to understand that we've been called into darkness to be a different kind of people, to make up a a holy nation that belongs to God. That's why he refers to his readers as exiles and sojourners. In our more modern vernacular, we might use the terms immigrants and refugees. As we are immigrants and refugees from our homeland, from the nation that we are called to possess, we need to make sure that we don't assimilate to the nation around us. Uh, We don't need to be a part of a mindset and a philosophy and actions that are of this world. But we are called to be a different kind of people, residents of a different nation, a nation that the Hebrew writer calls a heavenly one, the one that Abraham was looking for as we sojourn toward that homeland. We need to remember why we've been called to be a part of this race. We need to remember what it is that should come out of our being possessed by God. Peter says it's so that we can proclaim the excellencies of God. As we go around and talk about all that God has done for us, all that God has transformed us into, and we talk about the hope that we have going forward, we get to talk about an amazing God who has a story in human history from the beginning, who is playing out things in his time for his purposes. And when we surrender to those, we become these living stones that build up a house that God himself dwells in. And that's where we reside forever. Thank you for listening. You can find more of these messages on our website, calirachurchofchrist.org, or subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Twitter. 